You're listening to the Water and Music Podcast. My name is Sherry Hu, and I'm a freelance writer focused on how technology is transforming music and culture. In this podcast, we unpack the fine prints behind big ideas at the intersection of music and tech, featuring a curated slate of young innovators, leaders, and thinkers from across the music business. The goal is to get you thinking differently about how this business might work, and maybe challenge your assumptions about where music may be going. For this episode, which is the first one I've ever recorded face-to-face with my guests, I traveled to the Genius Headquarters in Brooklyn, New York to chat in person with Ben Gross and Laura Kinneberg. They're the Chief Strategy Officer and Head of Music Licensing at Genius, respectively. As many of you may know, Genius is the largest online database of lyrics in the world, and more importantly, the largest resource for annotations of these lyrics from both fans and artists. The company's positioning in the music business is super interesting because lyrics often give music such important and iconic and memorable emotional weight, but lyrics are also often the very last thing that comes to mind for artists when it comes to valuing and monetizing all aspects of their music properly. And what's an increasingly important aspect of Genius's business is their relationship with rights holders from a licensing perspective, especially as they integrate with more and more streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music, and also expand on their own video content, becoming a true digital media company in their own right. Also, a lot of the contracts they're signing with publishers and artists are being written for the first time, so there's still a ton of experimentation going on, and it's really interesting to see lyrics in the forefront of all this. So in this episode, we dive into all things lyrics and licensing, as they relate to genius and the wider industry, as well as talk a little bit about consumer behavior and the role that lyrics can play in music discovery, especially with the onset of smart speakers and other relatively newer technologies. Hope you enjoy our conversation and let's dive right in. I'm here at the Genius offices with Ben and Laura. Thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so for happy me. to be here. Yeah. So what I want to talk about today as it relates to Genius is more about like where the company is now as well as like where it's going in the future. But one interesting piece of history that I do want to like touch upon or recent history is around like industry relations. Because I was like doing research ahead of time for it for this episode. And the only thing that I've really been written about in terms of Genius's relationships with rights holders was back in 2014 when there was an agreement with the National Music Publishers Association. And that kind of came off the heels of uh, that organization suing Genius or like wanting to take down a lot of lyrics from other similar sites, right, for copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to my surprise, aside from like the streaming services, not much has been kind of like covered since then Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, Genius's relationships with publishers and, and other rights holders in the industry. So I'd love to get both of your perspectives on that. Especially you, Laura, given that you're the first person to take on your role at Genius uh, as a yes. head of music licensing. So I'd love to get yeah, both of your perspectives on, on what those relationships are like, especially as it relates uh, to your work. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, so the uh, I can definitely talk a little about the prehistory here. So mm-hmm. the NMPA, we, we actually have direct licensing arrangements with all the major music publishers, with Sony, uh, ATV, MI, with Universal, with uh, Warner Chapel. And then we did an NMPA opt-in agreement to get as much licensing coverage with independent music publishers and the mini majors as we could. And uh, the good news is that the NMPA uh, never sued us and, okay. uh, and, and neither, did, uh, neither did any of the majors. But yeah, as the company was sort of maturing, this was very early days, you know, really those conversations started in 2013, probably. We 
sort of very quickly recognized that we needed to have direct collaborative relationships with the rights holders for lyrics, which is what so much of uh, the site has, has been built to highlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we built those relationships uh, directly with the music publishers and made those deals. And then they have been over the course of the last several years, those relationships have really flourished and there are sort of most important strategic partners ultimately. And to the point where we're, yeah, we're renewing them. We've gone through several renewal cycles with all of those deals and they are thankfully not, you know, super, uh, super bumpy affairs because we're, we're, our incentives are super aligned with the music, with the music publishers and with the industry and that, you know, genius is all about recognizing that lyrics and the work of songwriters and producers and, and that whole community that's represented by publishers, that's an essential part of music culture that has been sort of disrespected historically, especially lyrics in the digital world. Mm-hmm. And Genius is really about treating that uh, that work as premium content that just should be treated as such online and finding out, finding creative ways to, to use and monetize that content. When we display lyrics on the website, we have blanket display rights that we negotiate with music publishers. But... Uh, as you mentioned, Laura's role, which is a relatively new role. When when did you start? Uh, I started in January, <laughs> so kind of like brand oh, new. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, then like a lot new. of a lot of my role has been sort of getting things up and running with licensing our video content. Um, okay. And yeah. so I think it's been I've been sort of bringing the relationships that I have had. You know, I've been in the, in the industry for about eleven years. Working, I worked at EMI Music Publishing first, so I've been on the publishing side, and then working at uh, the tonight show before this um, Mm -hmm. doing sort of like the other side of things. And so I've been able to sort of bring those relationships with the, you know, licensing people at the publishing companies and get things up and running here with, with the rest of the the content that we need to license. So can't be underrated that, you know, Laura, Laura is dealing with, you know, we're creating a tremendous amount of of video content now that, uh, that it was important to us. Like it has been with every time we, we use, publishing IP that we, that like we are working with the rights holders and the artists are benefiting when genius benefits. And so, or every day is, you know, out there making those deals and making sure that everyone is on the same page, which is great. So yeah. So for the videos specifically, are those like traditional sync licenses or yeah. Like what kind of licenses are involved? Yeah. So we're doing sync licensing for Mm -hmm. um, our, you know, our series like verified, um, deconstructed, Mm -hmm. Um, open mic is a, a relatively new one that we have, which is like an artist performing one of their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, our like branded content and, and things like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so I'm really curious as to like the relationships between that side, like the industry relationships and the user generated aspect of like the lyrics site. Like one anecdote that I have in mind. Um, so I admittedly have not made an annotation on Genius in a while, but. Come on. Uh, <laughs> you got to get to my cue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but a couple of years ago, I ended up becoming an editor on the site because I was doing a project my senior year of college. And it was about Asian American rappers in particular. And uh, a lot of it was about was about analyzing lyrics. And so I went on Genius to see, uh, you know, what people had written or like annotated mm-hmm. on their songs. And I realized that there are actually quite a few artists who didn't even have profiles at all. So I was like, oh, this is like a cool opportunity for me to maybe contribute to this space, right? Like by creating their artist profiles. And this one rapper in particular named Rex Dizzy, who like got his profile verified after the fact, mm-hmm. um, which was like a really cool, I guess, progression to see. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like in that case, so I, so with Rex Dizzy, for instance, I was taking his lyrics from Bandcamp. So they were on Bandcamp, but they weren't on Genius and just okay. like copying and pasting them into new songs on Genius. You didn't transcribe any of them right from the music? 
Uh, I did. I, <laughs> I did a couple transcriptions okay. where where I could. And you're yeah. a real user, then that's fine. You should get. To, you know, I want you to finish your story, but we yeah. used to have it so that you you actually didn't get points on the site for transcription, which was a real problem because mm. it's a huge way that people contribute to the site. Mm. Now you get IQ for transcription, so you really deserve mm. some IQ. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate we'll see. It. We can talk Like that kind of whole progression is very bottom up, very like user generated. Um, there's no kind of licensing discussion involved at all. So yeah, I'm curious, like, is, is there any situation where me or like any other potential user could potentially be in a situation where there'd be like a takedown request or a copyright mm-hmm. infringement claim if they're like uploading lyrics that aren't on the site? Like what is sure. that yeah, process like? So yeah, no, I mean, there's a, it's, it's great. That's, it's great to always to hear that you've been using the site <laughs> and you've been, and transcription is really the, the, the core work of what, yeah. what goes on. Jesus, yeah. by the and our users do so much incredible work there. So yeah, I mean the, the whole, like I was saying, especially for emerging artists, a big part of why we, you know, we, we were very, that NMPA deal you referred to that we've now uh, have renewed also it's, mm-hmm. It's an opt-in deal. So the way it works is that they send a notice to all of the independent publishers in their membership um, and folks and the model license and folks can just sort of opt in and folks can even opt in uh, after the fact, after we did that deal, there's an opt-in period, but we're willing to talk to publishers who may have emerged in, you know, during the term. So the, the idea is that we try to have maximal licensing coverage and for most music that folks are transcribing, when they put it on, we have a license to display that music. So mm-hmm. that's great. When there's really new music or there's, I don't know what uh, what this artist's situation was when you transcribed it. So if it's a truly emerging artist, or, I mean, a lot of times on Genius, we have artists who are, you know, making music after school and putting the lyrics on the right. site. Yeah. And they're, you know, yeah, in that case, they are the rights holder. But like, mm-hmm. in some cases, you might have an artist who doesn't have a publishing deal and doesn't have a, you know, isn't set up to administer their lyrics rights. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the way our administration is set up for royalties that come through for like, because the idea would be, you know, you post that, people start going to that, to those lyrics pages. We may have, a, you know, advertising units that run adjacent to it. And that's generating revenue that we ultimately share with the rights holders. Mm. But if this artist doesn't have a publisher and it doesn't have a relationship with an NPA or with genius directly or any kind of thing that the share of that revenue is still held by genius in, you know, in suspense for distribution to uh, publishers and songwriters once they are identified, mm-hmm. you know, and once they're unmatched. Okay. So there's always a, the good news for, for emerging artists and for everyone is that you can always go come back and get, the revenue that your music has earned on the on the platform, you know, after the fact. I mean, there it gets probably complicated after a very long period of time, but like the, the, that's sort mm-hmm. of the way the the way the system is 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 set up. And yeah, and so and because of that, it, you know, you would never really. It's never been something I've ever seen where we've had you know uh, an emerging artist have a problem with their lyrics being on the yeah. site because first of all, it's just a great way to promote your music, but it's also they. Once they are sort of big enough that there's meaningful traffic on their pages, they're going to be having those publishing conversations, then hopefully eventually tapping into uh, those deals. But also, you know, to be real, there's sometimes there are people who don't want their lyrics out there for whatever reason, and they do send us. We are a, uh, you know, a DMCA compliant Mm -hmm. UGC platform. So we get DMCA takedown from a rights holder and those lyrics get taken down. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of a user's exposure, Never heard of that ever being an issue for okay, anybody. Yeah, yeah. 
and also I feel like most of the like high profile coverage around like genius in terms of music partnerships are with streaming services. So there's like the behind the lyrics feature on Spotify, the integration with Apple Music. Are there any other ones of note that like that listeners should know about? You mean the of- secret ones that we no. can't talk about? <laughs> <laughs> so are, are those the like two main public ones? Um, right? So yeah, I think you know the earliest genius streaming integration was behind the lyrics with Spotify's yeah. integration that is we are enormously proud of and that has been, you know, enormously popular. It reaches a huge number of users. It's a, a lot of it's a lot of folks' entry point to sort of the genius voice and experience. Um, with Apple, we have a kind of two-headed partnership currently, which is uh, we provide lyrics uh, into Apple Music, uh, especially for major new releases. And um, Apple powers the music player on Genius, right. where if you're on a song page, and you're an Apple Music subscriber, uh, you can have this kind of very special experience of being able to log into your Apple Music account uh, right there on the page and listen to the complete song and add it to a playlist. And we're constantly thinking about adding more, as, as many features as we can to that player so that you get this really premium experience uh, where you get to, in the old days, it was like, you know, you had the Genius tab open and you had your iTunes, you know, open in a different window mm-hmm. and you're trying to switch between them and whatever. And right. you can really get that integrated experience. With respect to, we were, you know, we're big fans of music streaming in general. We are working with everybody. We're always in conversation with everybody about, about cool product ideas. We did a, a very cool, more experimental product uh, pilot with YouTube. Uh, I think this was last year right. mm-hmm. called Song Stories, which was kind of it's riffing on that stories format that mm-hmm. is everywhere. It's kind of yeah. asynchronous, yeah. <laughs> uh, sort of mixed media story of a song mm-hmm. experience, which, uh, which, which you can, you can still find out there. I think if you Google probably genius song stories, you'd probably dig it up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Very cool stuff. We're always sort of iterating and talking about new ways to bring Genius Voice and uh, that experience into streaming because, you know, we want to be there. We want to be everywhere music is being listened to, thought about. Uh, of course, with YouTube also, we it's uh, it's not your typical streaming integration, but we are creating an enormous amount of music content just for the YouTube platform that is that, that lives on the YouTube platform mm-hmm. as a primary place of consumption, which is all the video series and all the stuff that, that, that Laura, we were talking about, that Laura's always out there licensing. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. There's more, there's definitely more, going to be some more cool stuff coming with respect to stuff that isn't, isn't out there yet. Can't, can't get too deep detail. About yeah. It. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. So, so with those um, integrations, like with Spotify and Apple Music, mm-hmm. so it's genius kind of working as an advocate or on behalf of the publishers? Because mm-hmm. I know they also have their separate agreements mm-hmm. with these services. So like, sure. how does that work? Like for behind the lyrics, for instance. That's a, yeah. great, that's a, that's a great question. And again, the, like the way these deals are set up limits the detail in which I can talk about how they're sure. sort of mm-hmm. commercially set up. But what I can say is that you, you see a lot of variance uh, in the way these things, these kinds of deals work with different music publishers where, or excuse me, with different music streaming services where there are some cases when we when we'll do stuff uh, and like the stuff I mentioned, we've done a lot of other stuff, different kinds of tests and different kinds of smaller things with the, with multiple streaming services, and all these things get set up in different ways based on what kinds of IP that they're using, if they're using uh, lyrics, and what way are they using lyrics? Are they using full lyrics, and how what the relationship uh, and sort of licensing structures that are in place already uh, at that streaming uh, provider at that partner. In some cases, the Licensing is completely handled by the the partner. In some cases, mm-hmm. the partner is coming to us and saying, "We'd like you guys to handle this license, the licensing piece of this." And then we are, 
you know, without uh, exception, going to go to our partners and publishers and explain to them what we want to do and, uh, and make sure they're comfortable with the sort of uh, the product and the, uh, and the commercial terms of what we're doing. And uh, shout out to the music publishers. So I feel like sometimes don't get enough credit for this kind of thing. They have been great creative partners for this stuff and been willing to let us uh, experiment in really cool ways with different kinds of products that are really novel uses that they're not used to seeing. So it's like it definitely takes, you know, trust and creativity. And so it's a mix. So like I, without talking about any specific deal, like it, it's a mix. Like sometimes the licensing is going to be baked in. Sometimes we're going to go and figure out a sort of novel arrangement. Mm-hmm. One very like higher level issue or trend that I see a lot of people talk about for like streaming services specifically is that they're becoming increasingly lean back and they're becoming increasingly like for casual listeners. Like mm-hmm. now that Spotify is a public company, they're they're trying to reach as many users as possible. And mm-hmm. that's part of why they're also expanding even like beyond music into things like podcasts, right? My, so my impression is that something like behind the lyrics, that integration or just incorporating lyrics in general is something that's more catered towards people who want to dive deeper into a piece mm-hmm. of music. It's like very much the opposite of lean back, right? You have mm-hmm. to like stare at the screen to yeah. like read through the, the behind the lyrics yeah. experience, right? So I'm wondering like whatever you can share, is that actually having an impact on like lean forward engagement with whatever streaming service we partner with like Spotify, Apple, or like with a genius site and company in general? I'm sure. wondering like how that's impacted the company. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say that's a great, that's a great question. I, I think, I mean, one thing I'll say is that Genius is really premised on the idea. The whole company has been a sort of 10-year study proving out the fact that like I a mean, huge tranche of music fans and not just the most obsessed nerds, but like everybody that like the premise of the company really is that if you care about music or you like music or you like a, a song or you like an artist that like going deeper and learning more about what that uh, song is about or the backstory for that uh, track or that artist or that production is something that enriches that experience that people can get excited about. And, you know, like I said, yeah, we, we have a hundred million people coming to the, the site has been growing. So to answer your question, the site has been growing for, you know, for years and there's just, there's a, a greater appetite than certainly we ever realized. I think at the, at the founding of the company, I wasn't even here, but like when Tom Lawrence started the company, I think that, you know, it was an art project and then there was just this massive demand for that conversation. And it's, it's a broader demand than people necessarily recognize. Like it's almost similarly, the share of Google searches that are have lyrics intent uh, is enormous. You know, it's, it's, it was one of the original use cases for search engines on the internet. You Mm -hmm, know, if you remember mm -hmm. in the, to the back to the Alta Vista days and you know, you know you're usually just graduated from college with me, but uh, to, you know, excites and Lycos, you know, these are, these are, a lot of a lot huge shocking share of of searches are are for lyrics and which is itself displaying an intent to try and dig deeper into music anyway and then what i would say what are what we're seeing in streaming that that is not the trend i would identify i think that what's happening is that there's there's a real concern i think um, in the world of of streaming services about differentiation because sure uh, a locked phone in your pocket with a song that's available on you know, every service, uh, which by and large is the case, is a undifferentiated experience and it makes it very hard to uh, retain customers and track new customers without, unless you're just competing on price. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Behind the Lyrics was really one of the first proof points, but I think has driven uh, a lot of innovation at Spotify and beyond, showing that the now playing view, where it used to just be static album art, is actually a great canvas for engagement and keeping people and creating differentiated experience on your phone where like 
a huge number of Spotify users really come and know that behind the lyrics experience on Spotify is differentiates. Like, yeah, that's why that's a, a part of why at least I love Spotify because mm-hmm. this is something you can't get anywhere else. And yeah, like, and you'll, you'll see again on Spotify and you'll see in Apple music as they added lyrics and as that product evolves and on Amazon and YouTube music and all, all these uh, platforms, I think the trend you're going to see is increasing uh, diversity of experience in the now playing view uh, because I think these are products that are that are trying to create differentiated experiences for their users, and that's and more engaging experience for the users. Uh, I think that's that's where that's where I see it. that's where I see it going. I certainly agree with you that they're they're seeking as broad uh, an audience as possible. Yeah, uh, and some of that engagement might not be take the form of what I'm describing. Like you know, Amazon obviously is very focused on voice, and uh, that's been a, I think an a, a entry point for a very broad consumer bases. People have bought uh, Alexa devices. You know, that I think that's a not necessarily a lean back experience, but it's a different entry point. Yes. And I think like figuring out, but again, it's going to be the same problem where everybody is going to have a voice entry point and they already do with Google and with Apple, with the HomePod and with uh, Google Home. People are going to be, they are already, everybody's already looking for differentiated experiences that can create some something special and engaging for their for fans and for mm-hmm. users. Yeah, and with um, with Amazon in particular, uh, every like Amazon Music presentation I've been to or like talk I've been to does talk about like lyrics as mm-hmm. a trigger for uh, just consuming music or streaming music, like more sure. than um, any other service. It's like yeah, like Alexa, play uh, play the song that goes like this, sure. uh, <laughs> which yeah. is so interesting. Yeah, because I feel like that is. I guess aside from Genius, it is still something that is missing from like the actual streaming services themselves. Like, I, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, I don't think I can like search on Spotify. Um, Spotify, I don't think you can. You can on some services. You can do lyric search. Okay. Uh, which is great. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I I believe Amazon has that functionality where you can do voice lyric search. Yeah. And uh, we've experimented with a we want we our one of our engineers almost as a fun project once built a uh, I forget what Google Home calls them. That. Amazon calls them skills. Google has some other name for these mm-hmm. kinds of sort of uh, third-party plugins into the voice ecosystem, but where you could say like, what is, uh, what is this song about? If you're listening to a song mm-hmm. and then it would talk back to you and it would say, we had the demo we have, which you also can find on YouTube. You search for genius Google home. And it's like, it'll be like, bad and bougie is about <laughs> making money and buying expensive That's amazing. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do in voice and, there's a huge potential for for lyrics because, like I said, yeah, lyric search, huge uh, searches with lyrics intent, which are not always like searching for bad and bougie lyrics, uh, right. but actually searching for you know an, a specific lyric that you heard on the radio or at a party or something. Mm. Like you want to be able to serve users. That's actually how I originally became familiar with Genius when I was working at the Tonight Show because. I would be, you know, watching them taping the show and, you know, a celebrity would be getting interviewed or something and they would, you know, sing part of a song. And if I didn't recognize it, I would just like take the lyrics and, and Google them. And Genius was always the first site that came up. And then that's how I would figure out what song I needed to license for the show. And so <laughs> I ended up just then starting to go to Genius all the time, like just go straight to the source. And so, <laughs> and now here I am. So yeah. <laughs> um, and so compared to something like 
late night TV. I'm curious as to what like the cadence is in terms of video output for Genius. Is it is it like a lot more frequent given that there are many more shows? Like what is that like? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there, yeah. I mean, Fallon was was a daily show, but here we have you know Verified, which is a daily show, and then we have you know a lot more content on top of that. So mm-hmm. it's definitely like you know interesting the the pace at which things are happening, and so you know the turnaround time is is very quick, and the the Thing that's been the most interesting is that since we feature a lot of maybe like indie or up and coming um, songwriters and artists who aren't signed, or maybe this is sort of the first, their first foray into licensing their music, I I end up having to like educate them a lot of the time about sure, how it yeah. works because they've never done it before. And so kind of explaining to them how publishing works, like how they figure out their splits, like, you know, mm-hmm. how they, um, maybe, you know, maybe even like registering with a PRO and that kind of thing and right. and kind of explaining the whole process to them, um, which is, which has been fun and, and interesting to do. <laughs> yeah. So, so with, uh, for like a verified episode, for instance, so, uh, and, and that's when artists are like reciting and talking about their own mm-hmm. lyrics, right? So mm-hmm. is the songwriter getting compensated like in those videos? Are you licensing those lyrics that are featured? Yes. Or, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Cause I think probably even like five years ago or like, or even earlier, that wasn't like a revenue stream that artists would really think about, I yeah. think, in terms of, or they would, they would make, uh, I feel like a lot of artists are making their own like lyric videos already. And like, mm-hmm. I guess monetizing that on YouTube, but in terms of like monetizing something that really goes deeper into the context yeah. of, of their song. Yeah. I think that, that just wasn't like as concrete to them. So yeah. yeah and, it's, really cool. and it's cool to be able to see them talking about their music, you know, straight from the source and they're, yeah. they're going in depth, like you said, and, you know, going through the lyrics kind of piece by piece. And what does this mean? Why did I, you know, what, where did this come from? And so it's, it's a really interesting way to sort of uh, engage with the music. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so generally with, I guess, with your role with like licensing and especially given the quick turnaround time, do you feel like that job has gotten easier over time <laughs> or has it stayed the same? Has it gotten harder? Like as technology has <laughs> advanced? I mean, technology definitely like has made things easier. I mean, for this for our, our content especially, it's because we're working with a lot of, you know, maybe unsigned or up-and-coming songwriters and artists, they may not be registered with a PRO, they may not have, like, you know, a website even, and so sometimes I'm, like, sliding into people's DMs on Instagram or, yeah. like, you know, find, <laughs> trying to, like, track down yeah. um, people using the internet, which is mm-hmm. is kind of a fun scavenger hunt sometimes, um, <laughs> or, like, you know, finding an article from like three years ago that that mentions a producer's real name. And then that's how I find them on like ASCAP or BMI, you know, right. where like yeah. everywhere else it's just like they're going by the producer name, which is you know a little bit harder to track down. So mm-hmm. um, it's been really interesting um, definitely to like see how technology has evolved and, and made it more um, kind of accessible to find, you know, these people that may, may have been more difficult to find even five or 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's also just made it more interesting because licensing is happening on all different kinds of platforms that weren't really a thing even like a few years ago. And, you know, music is being licensed in, in ways that are just completely new. And, you know, I've had to sort of figure out like, well, what, kind of terms what do we do for this like media that I've never licensed mm. licensed things for platforms that we've never really dealt with before so it's it's interesting to see how it continues to evolve with all the different you know technology that's, that comes out 
Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any particular platforms, whether like specific companies, like types of platforms that are coming up that are like interesting to you? I guess we, we talked about voice. That's definitely mm-hmm. like, an, um, it's been around for a while, but still emerging in terms of like figuring out these licensing things. Um, yeah. Are there any other platforms that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I think social media in general is, has been really interesting because, you know, and like um, you know, Instagram stories and that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. also I, I can't remember the name of the, of the service, but uh, somebody the other day was bringing up this, this app that's like streaming television, but it's, it's linear, it's live and it's only on your phone and it's free. So it's like, is that considered internet? Like Pluto or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Like similar to Pluto. It's like, yeah. so it's like Shout internet streaming, <laughs> but it's like TV, but it's only over the internet. So it's just, it's really interesting. Like the definitions of these sort of different kinds of media that were yeah. um, very like set in stone, even a few years ago. And now they're sort of like merging and morphing and and so it's kind of interesting to try to figure that out and we do some really sort of like novel stuff and this is a big like emily was saying we are really proud of trying to do creative things with lyrics like we did a program with dropbox uh now i guess a couple years ago called lyrics to life where we rented a warehouse and we got some interesting sort of cutting edge instagram visual artists to build installations inspired by iconic lyrics and mm-hmm. then it was like an open pop-up museum type thing for 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 music fans to to walk through in Los Angeles in this warehouse. And so, like for instance, one artist built a giant, bigger than this room, two or three times the size of this room, sculpture of the line. It was all, the biggie line. It was all a dream. There was a question of like, okay, how do you license that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you figured out, right? Do it. <laughs> yeah. So will that be considered? like a public performance kind of, you know, I believe, <laughs> believe I, you know, Re- Rebecca, who was, who uh, had, was sick and uh, was yeah. going to be here, yeah, but yeah. she, uh, Rebecca did, did those. I believe, um, I think we did, a, it was a bunch of different licenses. The one that I had never seen was, and I wonder if you've encountered this, Laura, was it, it was an industrial license. Yeah, I think that somebody <laughs> else had mentioned that it was in, industrial, which, which is, I, a, I've never dealt with before. <laughs> so um, I had never, you know, they, I think we went to the publisher and said, whatever you guys say. We'll have, you know, people from different teams coming to me being like, well, if we wanted to do this, how much would this cost? And I'm like, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. I've never seen that before, but I will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's a lot of the value we can bring when we, when we do, as we build out the sales organization, we're trying to do cool programs with brands is that like music scares brands in general for, mm-hmm. from a rights perspective. Mm-hmm. Publishing in my experience, seems to scare everyone the most because it's the most obscure. People don't know how to deal with it. I used to it. And so lyrics are, have historically, and this has been a huge problem, I think, for songwriters, have been kind of radioactive uh, from a brand monetization perspective, from doing cool things like brands are constantly using uh, recordings, obviously, in commercials and lots of creative ways. Music videos are monetized in super complex and sophisticated ways. But people are sort of, lyrics are worried. They're worried, how are we going to handle this? Like, how are we going to figure out who the relevant rights holders, how are we going to clear it? And Genius, because of our sort of now long experience working on this kind of stuff, has hopefully really started to open the door to those kinds of creative uses. So like when we do that, that's a great deal. That was a great, it was, it was a really cool program for Dropbox, but it was also great for all those songwriters who we uh, were definitely cut in on that deal for those, for those mm. installations. So this is one like yoga studio in Williamsburg that, that I like go to pretty regularly and Actually, I don't know if they're officially licensed, but like there are a lot of these studios that 
incorporate. Chain, is it like an independent studio? Uh, it's it has a couple of locations around New York. Okay, so maybe, maybe I would say most like random independent places like that are probably not. Yeah, <laughs> too much about it. But um, they, you know, no, but like more and more of these fitness studios, like SoulCycle, are, and of yeah. course, yeah, like they're they have they're selling merch that is like a, an adaptation of some famous lyric. So like, sure. in, so is that. Uh, theoretically supposed to be licensed or you know i mean, can't give anybody legal advice out here, <laughs> but uh, i think it's probably complicated i think it's yeah. kind of, you know yeah. fair use is a complicated uh, sure. test and has a lot of components and it's very it's a defense it's very hard to predict mm-hmm. how a, a court would see something we try to err on the side of licensing and and a and making sure songwriters are compensated when we're using their work to to make money but yeah you know people do all kinds of crazy stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I had a question in mind that's more about like the consumer experience. Um, and it goes back to this kind of like lean back versus lean in like music consumption thing. So when I think about the the journey of like a typical music fan and when a site like Genius might come in, my impression is that it's kind of like after uh, the music is already discovered. So like I'll say I'll listen to a song on whatever streaming service like Spotify mm-hmm. and I'll be like, oh, this is a cool song. Like I hear it on a TV show. It's a cool, cool song. I'll want to look it up on Genius and then like read the lyrics, dive deeper and like become a deeper fan in that sense. Sure. Um, I don't know if either of you have like thought about experiences where um, like the lyrics themselves are like the first point of discovery sure. of a song, um, like maybe even uh, separated from the artist for, for better or for worse, right? In terms of finding a song. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, that's I, 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 this is a good question. I and mean, it's something we definitely <laughs> do think about. It's uh, we've done one thing we do, which is really cool is uh lyrics premieres sometimes we've had artists drop the lyrics to a uh to a forthcoming single or or album in advance of the music Mm, so it's exactly mm -hmm, what you're saying it's mm -hmm. the the front door it gets people excited they don't know what it's even going to sound like but they know the lyrics are sometimes artists will even drop verified annotations you know which is a way an artist can talk directly to fans about their lyrics so like Lyrics premieres are a very cool way for artists to generate excitement uh, pre-release without, you know, putting the music out there, which, you know, triggers a lot of activity that, you know, is all over the place and it spreads in a way that lyrics lyrics would spread as well. But like Genius is a great front door for that, where you Mm -hmm. can concentrate a lot of that activity. The other thing I'd say is that like, I think the experience you described is very very common and one that we really, you know, encourage and try and build the product for. But the verified artist community on Genius is not limited to like Eminem and Logic and Nas. It's like right. there's an enormous community of emerging artists who are making music, putting it on Genius, putting the lyrics on Genius in the forums, asking people for feedback. A lot of those artists have emerged that way. You know, like Chance the Rapper was putting music, putting his music on Genius and annotating it and fighting with people in the annotations and annotating other music. I uh, long ago you know long before uh he was getting you know the kind of attention he's getting now and like when i presumably i guess it was probably before during before 10 days so like when he was in high school and uh mm-hmm. little nas x same story like a lot of these mm-hmm. folks you know have been using genius since they were kids and it can be if you know where to look it's it can be a great front door for for discovery too also so with like genius's videos just to get a better sense of like how that works from licensing perspective so are there any situations where um, you're like getting the license for a song or like for lyrics by an artist who like isn't featured in the video or is there always like some sort of connection there? Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's definitely like, you know, if they're like recently um, we uh, had a verified with Victoria Monet Monopoly song that she did with mm-hmm. um, uh, Ariana Grande. And so like, you know, Ariana is a songwriter on the song and she's in the in the video, the music video, um, but 
was not in the in the verified. So we have you know situations like that where maybe it's not like every artist that's featured, or maybe it's just like one of the songwriters or the producers who had like a heavy uh, involvement in the song that's talking about it. Um, so it just sort of depends on the on the situation. Okay, got it. And also, given that the role <laughs> is so new, I'm curious as to how many people are like working with you on licensing these songs. Um, it's just me. For is now. it just you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, you know, hopefully down the road when we, like, expand a little bit, um, yeah. that, that will change. But alone forever. For right now, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the lone wolf. So, no, it's a huge, it's a huge lift. And it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a big, a big moment in the way Genius has approached, because uh, we're so focused on the site and the core products. But right. as video has grown to be such a huge part of what we do, that was why, you know, I went out there. And tried to find <laughs> like I told Laura this when we when we hired Laura we like it was it was in our interview and in talking to her that we actually reconfigured the way we were even thinking about how the role should work uh, and mm-hmm. how we were going to approach this because we were thinking about should we be doing blanket deals around these videos right, and right. we were starting this conversation they were enormously complicated conversations that were around a really emerging product and was gonna it was gonna be very hard to get those deals done in a in a way that made sense. And then with Dr. Lauren, she was like, yeah, I got a science show. I license like a million songs every day. I can turn around super fast. They're like, we should do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. My background has has been in sync licensing for, you know, a decade. And so I was like very comfortable in that sort of wheelhouse. And so I just was like, you know, this is what makes the most sense to me for this kind of content. And I think this Mm -hmm. would be like, you know, the best way forward. So it was, it was cool to have that sort of then shift the, the focus of the, the position. Are you using any tools to help, I guess, like to help out with that process or is it still pretty manual in that you're like DMing people, yeah. tracking down names? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. kind of like the Wild West, but um, <laughs> in, in some cases. But I mean, I, I use the, the PR websites. That's sort of my sure. like okay. first line of attack. Um, and then just sometimes, you know, it's reaching out to publishers directly. If I think that like maybe they might have information on like co-writers or that kind of thing. Also going back to the, the technology thing, one thing that's been really great with that is like social media, being able to find like communities of music supervisors and publishers and, and other people that do licensing. Like there's a, a Facebook group called Sync This where people, <laughs> it's like, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of people that work in in licensing in whatever capacity. And, you know, sometimes people are like, hey, I only have 75% of this song clear. Does anybody know who has like the <laughs> remaining like 25%? And so it's yeah. kind of this very like collaborative, like community um, of, of people sort of helping each other figure it out. So that's been that's really, um, good. really helpful. Yeah. Well. <laughs> this is the last question before going on like, to the last segment, but in thinking of this question, I'm thinking of an event that I was at a couple weeks ago called the Music Biz Conference in Nashville. Oh, you were? Okay. okay. <laughs> Nashville, um, JW Marriott. Yes. yes. <laughs> just infested with music biz people. Um, <laughs> what struck me the most, one of the things that struck me the most about the conference this year was uh, there's a whole day that they've had for a couple of years um, called the Metadata Summit. It's just a day of panels about metadata. And well, it was only my second year, but it was definitely like overcrowded standing room only for like much of the day, which kind of blew my mind in that. From, so thinking from like an artist or songwriter's perspective, hypothetically you would think that as long as you like put in all the right information put in all the right splits yeah all the right like credits like you, you should be fine but I guess one one theme of this whole um, day was that no like there's so many players involved that a lot of things can, can get mm-hmm. lost I'm wondering like from the metadata perspective is genius involved in like helping out with that 
issue at all, given that it is such a such a huge database crowdsourced, which can be good sure. or bad in terms yeah. of yeah, like songwriting information. It's a huge issue mm-hmm. in the industry. Uh, we we try to be as helpful as we can. You know, you're you're right. We're we're a crowdsourced platform, and it's can generate incredibly reliable information. But you know, we're not crowdsourcing splits because you know, unfortunately, fans yeah. don't really <laughs> don't really know. Uh, yeah. We do have we, but we do get interesting requests, data requests from publishers, sort of who are looking to get data back from us uh, because there is no a lot of people don't realize this, there's no canonical source of lyrics. But we when we license lyrics for display from publishers, they don't just give us a feed of all the lyrics. We generate that in large part by leveraging, you know, the obsessed fandom uh, mm. community for all these artists who are transcribing music the moment it drops and transcribing their favorite songs, old songs, catalog songs, uh, or getting them directly from artists that we have direct relationships with or managers. And so it's not like when you do a master deal, if you start a streaming service and you uh, license master's performance you get a feed of the music right yeah <laughs> that doesn't yeah. that doesn't happen with lyrics and so we often feel lyrics requests sometimes from from publishers and from artists and managers and and folks of that are like who know that we have a great database of that similarly uh yeah with streaming services and other folks we've collaborated with on other metadata elements writer uh writer metadata is pretty interesting from a display perspective, an interesting thing that happens with writer metadata is that like uh, a lot of artists, producers, they're registered in these systems uh, under their legal name, mm. but they're publicly known by another name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Laura in Laura's world, she's trying to get uh, get their real names so she can figure out how to get them paid. Uh, a lot of times in other sort of music services, they, they only are getting that data from HFA or from some data provider and they want to be able to know that actually is, you know, this that's actually T minus or something. And so mm-hmm. like let's uh be able to display that. And Genius actually has a has a can can do that in terms mm-hmm. of matching up real names to, you know, names that folks are performing. I was gonna say a lot of times uh, when I'm like trying to figure out who like what a producer's real name is, I'll I'll go to like the genius page and yeah. I'm like, oh do they have it on <laughs> yeah. there? And a lot of times it does. Yeah. And so yeah. I had one uh a songwriter reach out and say, oh, my name is spelled wrong. Could you like face it on the song page? And so, you know, like it's it's interesting to see like how a lot of artists and songwriters, you know, they see Genius as like a platform that, that people go to for information about them. And so they want to like make sure that that's... What's interesting about like the feed thing about mm-hmm. there being no like feed for lyrics is sure. that I feel like you need that for lyrics in order for something like an Amazon music experience around lyrics to really mm-hmm. scale. Or that's something that I've noticed like that company is already asking for, like from mm-hmm. labels and publishers is like, you, you need to include lyrics information in the metadata so that we can serve it up or scan it like appropriately. Given how much, I guess, technology has advanced. It's so interesting to see like wide gaps there still are. Lyrics yeah. are really hard. It's, it's yeah. easy for people to like, especially in the most popular music right now, which is really driven by hip hop and hip hop culture. It's mm-hmm. like, Lyrics move fast. They contain mm. very deep and layered references that are mm. not always so easy for uh, a casual listener to understand. It's not. It's not a problem that's easily solved by like a content farm or like a random person who's you know being uh, who's clocking in and being paid to transcribe a young Young Thug's new album or something. It's like nobody can transcribe Young Thug's new album except Young Thug and <laughs> enormous Young Thug fans who really know his cadences, know his references, mm-hmm. know his music. And that's something that's pretty unique to Genius. And mm-hmm. so like 
that's why we're very proud of our lyrics data. And when we share it with partners, like with Apple, a big part of the motivation behind that deal is they really recognize, like, we really care about the culture of music and we want to have the right thing. It doesn't come from nowhere. You need to get it from young thug or genius, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So for the last like 10 minutes or so, uh, this is like a normal overrated, underrated segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to talk about any recent industry news that we all think is interesting over underrated um yeah i don't know if you all have anything in mind i can start i um so i had recently read i think it was like about a week ago there's an article about this the chilean songwriter who had sued disney like a year or two ago um Mm. about the song let it go because he had said that it like the hook the main hook um plagiarized a song of his from like 2008 called Velar, and it was like but like the lawsuit basically just said like the rising melody that evokes like a, a sense of freedom and it's like well that's like a very big so, um, thing. but yeah. the, so the, the article this last week was about how he dropped the, the lawsuit and okay it just had me thinking about like what kind of seems like to be a rising trend in the last few years really since the the blurred lines like lawsuit happened mm. you know songwriters um are sometimes being either sued or like forced to give up some of their publishing rights to um, other songs that people are claiming are interpolations or whatever. And, you know, certainly in some cases, that's very much the case. But then there's also like some areas where I just feel like it's so gray. Like the, uh, the example that a recent example that I was thinking of is the BB Rexa song, I'm a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, it credits Shelley Piken as a writer who, who wrote uh, the song Bitch by Meredith Brooks from mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. great, great song from jam, a true jam. Um, <laughs> but like because the chorus of the Rex's song uses a repeating like I'm a blank oh. thing but the melody is completely different the words are completely different yeah. it's just that she uses I'm a blank I'm a whatever so it's like things like that it's like oh, that seems it's like so blurry. it's a little yeah. and so it's you know, you know it, I feel like that's becoming more and more common where it's like cases where it could go back back and forth like very easily and so I just I think it's like a really fascinating like thing that's happening I it seems like it's happening more and more in music where maybe writers are having to give up some of their publishing royalties just to sort of like maybe stave off a lawsuit (laughs) that could possibly happen and anyway so I just 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 frivolous lawsuits overrated or underrated But yeah, so I think it's underrated in part. This like warrant a whole separate episode, but there are a lot of companies coming up that are trying to make a product around AI-generated music. Mm. And for most of the products, I think it's the, the user experience is just like setting a certain like BPM, a certain mood. Do you want guitars mm. in it or whatever? But I feel like the the music industry, let alone the world, is like not ready to deal with that legally at all Mm -hmm. in part because of these issues where yet still like people are debating over like very short like snippets of lyrics or Mm -hmm. melodies and like debating ownership over that and like that is something that technology i think will not like it can only really go so far in terms of Mm -hmm. like helping to settle those disputes yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's like in some cases it sets like a a dangerous precedent for like the future of like creativity like is everybody going to be afraid that they're like possibly ripping off of somebody else when they haven't even heard the song before and yeah so i just i also feel like a lot of songs in the radio at least on like top 40 radio stations they are like kind of imitative of each other already right and like there aren't any lawsuits happening right maybe because they're all like signed to the same ultimately you're going to have some music that sounds like some other music yeah just yeah that's the nature of of art i think yeah yeah totally yeah um yeah super interesting i don't know if 
you had anything in mind? My current hobby horse is really inspired by Nat, who uh, who was in here briefly, who works on comms here, who is a true member of the Mariah Carey uh, lamely. Okay. <laughs> I, in conversation with Nat, and just in general, really feel feel quite strongly that Mariah has not been given her due as a uh, songwriter, which is something that's very special to Genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is special genius, especially we did. Uh, we have a show called Genius Level, which is a celebration of an iconic music industry person, right. usually an artist. Where we really we we tried. We did an episode with Mariah where it was a live event here, and we really celebrated her as a songwriter and uh, got to walk the world through. As at least the people who watched it through, <laughs> you know the the incredible. You know Mariah's got dozens of hits, what seventeen number ones or something, and uh, she wrote basically all of them. And mm. it was never sort of uh, highlighted as a songwriter. So it's not in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. It's timely mm. right now. June is the uh, is the induction ceremony. I love Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake getting into the Songwriters Hall of Fame before Mariah Carey does seem like misordered situation. <laughs> uh, I mean, just just all I want for Christmas is you. It's like when's the last time someone created a Christmas standard, you know, yeah. or any kind of standard, something that receives the cyclical love and attention and airplay that that song receives every holiday season it is a true throwback standard like Mm. this is something that you know kids who are 10 today know and people who are 40 know and people who are 70 know and 150 you know people everybody (laughs) everybody knows that song brian carey's world-class songwriter people basically don't know that songwriters hall of fame petition right now so, uh, <laughs> next year it should be it should be Mariah's year so that's I would uh, sign that petition yeah yeah Mariah Carey underrated as a songwriter do you think this this might also be indicative of a history where like songwriters historically took a backseat in terms of like public perception and like payment as well like commercially mm-hmm, sure. yeah. I think I yeah I mean I think it's also it has to do with as the industry has evolved and this is definitely not uniform but Increasingly, you have a lot of more uh, almost industrialized uh, music making. You're even referring to the creation of music doesn't involve a human being, or right, doesn't right. directly involve a human being, in a, mm-hmm. you know, with, a, with AI production, where songwriters and performers can often be alienated from each other by uh, great distances, wealth, mm-hmm. public perception, and so I think actually there's sort of a funny thing that goes on with that, which is I think there's a, potentially an assumption that gets put out there because people, I think a lot of people assume that pop stars don't write their music. Mm, uh, right. Right. And uh, I think a lot of people probably assume Max Martin probably wrote it all that or something. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah. uh, in that, in that, in that particular case, not the case. Mm. Ju- no justice, no peace. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, so the piece of news that I had in mind, not related to songwriting per se, but maybe not interested. But it's about, uh, I don't know if you saw that Rihanna is about to Mm. launch her new like luxury line with LVMH. First woman, first woman of color. Yeah, Yeah, so many. I I think the last like new house was made in 1987. Yeah, so like decades ago. So I had actually written a piece last year for Billboard about Rihanna's like various brands that she owns in, in addition to her music. And up until this point, I think most of them actually were not luxury brands at all. Or like Fenty Beauty, I feel like its whole value proposition is being like super inclusive, a lot more affordable, like covering mm-hmm. all skin tones. Mm-hmm. Her laundry line, Savage, is also like relatively affordable compared to, mm-hmm. you know, other like similar brands. So this is a really interesting step, but I don't I don't think it's like falling out of step at all with her like 
evolution, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if anything, like hopefully it'll be really good in terms of bringing that ethos <laughs> into something like, like LVMH. Do you think yeah. that being part of LVMH is going to push those brands away from their accessibility? Or do you think that that, that LVMH is going to lean into that? Like the like brands from a cost that perspective, like the, yeah, for Fenty, push Fenty mm. and, and her whole universe of brands. Like, do you think you, cause you're saying, I think that's wonderful. It's also that it's like comparatively to, sort of the other Maisons or other like it's, I think <laughs> right. probably currently more attainable for your average person is that do you think mm. that will change or do you think it's the big really question get? so my impression I think I had to look into this but my impression is that there'll be like a separate like luxury brand that also is called Fenty but like is is like a higher price point. Okay. so yeah I, I don't think it'll be cheaper necessarily right. but right. I guess it'll just be another pillar in this Mm-hmm. kind of empire that Rihanna's building such yeah. that like anyone of any background or like financial right. standing will be able to take part and participate in it. Right. So right. Yeah, I think, I feel like that's a fairly common thing to do with brands where you have like, you know, the, the sort of more like accessible like line and then maybe like a luxury, like, yes. yeah. you know, uh, line as well to sort of appeal to different demographics. So I think I'm here for everything <laughs> Rihanna does. So. <laughs> Has anything been written yet about, I assume something else about, like the comparative reception of uh, by the sort of fashion industry of uh, Rihanna v Kanye. Ooh, I I've not seen anything about that comparison specifically, but a lot has been written about each of those like individually. Why? Yeah. What makes you think of? I just, it's just interesting. It seems like Rihanna's sort of ascent has been less rocky from yes. a, from a reception perspective, and right. you know Kanye. It's a beautifully complicated yeah. thing, uh, and yeah. a lot of the complexity is is, uh, is introduced by things unique, idiosyncratic things that he's doing. But yes. it's like I wonder what, how much. What, like I, I would be interested to see those those stories told side by side. Or like I don't know if you saw his Sunday service show at Coachella. So we had oh, a separate right. show at Coachella. Um, started at 9 a.m. The doors and the merch store opened at uh, 6 a.m. I think so it was like super early. His clothes were so he's definitely taking like the, the the aesthetic of being accessible, but for sure like a very high price point. Like mm-hmm. I think he was selling like yeah. church socks for must have been like fifty dollars or like forty socks. Yeah, so <laughs> that's definitely the line that he's taking. I think more of brands like Supreme actually when when I mm. think about like Kanye's approach to, mm. which is definitely it's, um, it parallels a lot of other like hip hop yeah. artists as well. Yeah. How they push their merch, like like limited drops versus like right. always on brand. Kind of right. Thing. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, cool. maybe I'll have to write that. Cool. Yeah. Thank you both so much. I don't know if there are any like last things you want to share in terms of what genius is up to. Or... We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of the Water and Music podcast. If you like what you hear, I would really appreciate you giving me a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll be a really big help with discoverability. And if you'd like to follow and listen to more of these kinds of conversations, please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform of your choice, or visit the official hosting site at waterandmusic.transistor.fm. That's water and music all spelled out. I also write a newsletter with similar themes that you can read by visiting the short URL bit.ly slash water and music. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash water and music all spelled out and each word capitalized. 
Thanks so much to Will for the intro and outro music for this episode. And again, to Genius for hosting this conversation. And thank you all so, so much for your support. Until next time. Thank you.